As a student minister, it's always been my goal to make sure every student hears about Jesus Christ. But I'm also a father, and Lisa and I, as husband and wife, have wanted our children to know about Jesus and to hear about Him and follow after Him. We've been hoping that for our son, Tyler, and our daughter, Rachel. But we're also grandparents, and we feel very blessed to know that our daughter and her husband, Andy, are believers and followers in Christ, and they're sharing the gospel of Jesus with our grandchildren, and they're going to grow up to love and follow after Him. Sadly enough, that's not always the way it works in a family. Sometimes you teach your children about Jesus, and they don't follow, or life happens, and they're having a rough time. And then you have grandchildren, and then no one's teaching them. I want to introduce you to a hero of mine. This lady right here is Diane Groves. She taught her children about Jesus, and right now they're not following Him, but she also has two wonderful grandchildren, and she's taken it upon herself to make sure they hear about Jesus and they follow after Him and they grow up to love Him. Thank you, Justin and Katie, putting it into music for us to all of you grandparents who are here tonight. I have to tell you, I've been a little indecisive preparing for this topic of godly grandparents. My first move is always to go straight to the Word of God because of my commitment that every message that you hear from this platform will be biblical. And without the wisdom of God's Word, we who preach and teach really don't have anything of value to communicate. But I have to tell you, there were several passages that appealed to me this week. For instance, I thought about a couple of different psalms. The first is Psalm 71, verse 17. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. That's the psalmist in the form of a prayer. Then in Psalm 78, you have a word of testimony from the psalmist, but it would also make a great text for tonight. For it says, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. There's a sermon there. And then I thought about the tender closing statements in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament chapter 4 when Naomi is presented with her first and only grandchild. It's a grandson named Obed, and she places him on her lap, and she cares for him. And here's what it says in Ruth 4.15 about Obed. It says, He renewed her life and sustained her in her old age. Now, I think grandparents can identify with this, and we know that Obed eventually became the grandfather of King David, and David 
is in the lineage of Jesus. There's definitely a sermon there. And I thought about Paul's command, a commendation of Timothy's spiritual heritage as he wrote in 2 Timothy 1.5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which lived first in your grandmother Lois, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. There's a sermon there. So all of these passages came into play. But then I read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. In the well-known faith chapter in the New Testament, and I found what I wanted for tonight. Here it is. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must first believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I want you to notice something. In this passage, verses 5 and 6 mention Enoch, and verse 7 mentions Noah. Now, Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah. And evidently, there was a profound goodness, a profound righteousness in Enoch that was reproduced in the life of Noah three generations later. Enoch was commended as one who pleased God, and Noah became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And this leads me to conclude that it is possible for us to live today in such a way as godly grandparents that we can influence future generations. There are ways that we can spiritually impact the lives and the destinies of our successors grandchildren, and great-grandchildren we may never even meet on this side of eternity. Think of it. The life that you are living today could impact unseen progeny, generations into the future. And the most significant legacy we will leave is the legacy of leading a life that pleases God. The most significant legacy we can leave is a life of righteousness. Proverbs 13.22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance, here it is, for his children's children, grandchildren. In other words, God-honoring grandparents leave an inheritance for their grandchildren. And in context, I'm sure he's talking about a financial inheritance. But the inheritance I want to speak of 
tonight is not money, and it is not possessions, and it is not property. I don't think that's the most significant inheritance to leave your grandchildren. The inheritance I'm speaking of tonight is far more important than things material or temporal. I'm speaking tonight about an inheritance that is spiritual and it is eternal. Here is the most significant legacy that you can leave for your children's children, described in four words. The first word is, is character. Now, a dictionary definition of the word character is attributes that determine a person's moral and ethical actions and reactions. So what can we do to influence the character of our grandchildren? Let me put on my counselor's hat here tonight. These are the three that I would have at the top of my list. You want to influence your grandchildren's character. You want to shape their character. First of all, give them unconditional love, not discipline. There's something about a loving grandparent that is both indispensable and incomparable. Both my maternal and paternal grandmothers are deceased now. I actually conducted both of their funerals about five years apart. But they were as different as night and day. My little four-foot, ten-inch paternal grandmother, Anna Eidelman, is actually the first face I remember seeing in my life. Now, I've tried to tell my family that I remember being carried home from the hospital and being presented to my grandmother, and I remember distinctly looking up and seeing her face when I was brought home from the hospital. Yeah, that's kind of the reaction I got from the family, too. She was a doting grandparent, to say the least. She hugged me and kissed me every time I walked into or out of that little house down by the railroad tracks in Tolona, Illinois. She always had a new pair of jeans for me, and she always bought them two sizes too big so I could grow into them. There are pictures of me as a boy, and I've got my jeans all cinched up, and I've got about four big cuffs in my pants. She saved her dimes for me. She made sure that when my younger brother and I were there to visit, she had a half a gallon of vanilla ice cream unopened and an unopened package of cookies for us to eat. She would sit beside me on the couch, hang on every word that I said, and laugh at anything I said. Her favorite line was, Oh, Kenny Darrell, you are the cutest thing. I'm telling you, she was a gold standard. My paternal grandmother was the gold standard of unconditional love. I could do no wrong. <laughs> now, my maternal grandmother was a big farm woman. She's a good Christian. But she was the matriarch of the family, if you get my drift. Grandma Minnie. And she had so many grandkids, all about the same age, 
that she couldn't give any of us much special attention. She was more into keeping us in line than she was warm expressions of unconditional love. And she had a tone of voice that she would use from time to time. And it always got immediate results. It was just like that. <laughs> from us grandkids, I remember one time I pulled a chair out from under my cousin. She, she banged her head and screamed. Grandma Minnie grabbed a wooden spoon and took after me, and I bolted out of that house, and I, I hid in the hedge for an hour while she searched for my carcass. I can remember being intimidated by her as a boy. Now, I love both of my grandmothers, but I can tell you as I reflected on my formative years, it was the tenderness of my paternal grandmother that was more formative in my life. Of course, as grandparents, we ought to intervene if we need to to keep our grandchildren from hurting themselves or hurting someone else, but otherwise we ought to leave it up to the parents to discipline, unless, of course, the parents are not in the picture. Then the grandparents become the parents and they must discipline. And I know this is in the, in the realm of opinion, and some may disagree, but I do think that our best character-shaping influence is through our unconditional love as grandparents. And I guarantee you, your adult children don't want you to be a disciplinarian. They want to see you enjoying literally everything their children, your grandchildren, do. Unconditional love more than discipline. Secondly, if you want to shape the character of your grandkids' acceptance not distance. Grandchildren have this sixth sense. They're able to discern whether or not they are fully loved and accepted. Sometimes it's challenging. If they're undisciplined at home or if they're disrespectful or if they do not initiate or respond to affection, and let's be honest, sometimes grandchildren have personalities that just don't click with the grandparent. But we're the mature ones. We're the ones with the life experience. We're older, we should be wiser and more mature to handle people and situations. So resist the temptation to marginalize your grandchildren or step-grandchildren for any reason. Keep there from the being distance between you. Write, call, text, email, visit when you can. Remember, Gifts mean something special to young kids. Cards and letters will mean more to them as they mature in life, but just keep bridging the gap to your grandkids. Don't let estrangement develop. Keep unselfishly leveraging your influence and building into them. Don't let their lack of response to your active investment in the relationship cause you to retreat and become passive. Keep pursuing them. Keep pursuing them like your heavenly Father pursues you. We pursue them when they're difficult, just like our heavenly Father pursues us when we're difficult. Thirdly, compliments, not criticism. Grandchildren need our affirmation to help develop godly character, so focus on complimenting their God-honoring attitudes and actions. 
affirm their character more than their physical beauty, more than their achievements. It'll communicate to them that they are valued, valued for who they are, not how they look or what they can accomplish. The world will recognize and reward their appearance and reward their ability, but the world will not affirm their integrity. The world will not affirm their character. That's something grandparents have got to specialize in. So don't criticize their tattoos or their piercings or their hairstyle or their dress or their friends or their music or their tendency not to smile or their performance musically or athletically or academically. That's for the parents to monitor. You grandparents, enjoy them and look for anything you can to complement and reinforce. Well, I must move on. The most significant inheritance for your grandchildren is not only character but also standards. Now the dictionary definition of a standard is the ideal by which something can be judged. We do not want to fail to teach our grandchildren life principles, and in fact, our teaching will be amplified if we extend unconditional love and acceptance and compliments, then we can enforce our standards. I would sum up the standards we need to teach our grandchildren under three headings. The first is religion. Now, I'm talking here about the biblical definition of religion. I'm not talking about the, the nebulous term that people use today. I'm talking about what it says here in James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, there are two distinct components to this genuine religion that we grandparents are to champion with our grandkids. First component is caring for the needy, says look after widows and orphans. They're representative of the neediest people in the first century. So you teach your grandchildren to care for the needy. Secondly, you teach them to stay pure. The way it said it in James 1.27, keep yourself unstained or unpolluted by the world. So how are we going to pull this off with our grandkids? Well, to teach them to care about the needy, you might want to do things like, like take them with you and go serve at the rescue mission or support them on a mission trip or encourage them to befriend the friendless or the shunned kids at school or involve them in nursing home ministry. There are a lot of ways that you can teach them to care for the needy. What about purity? Well, you get to decide what you will allow in your home in terms of TV and movies. And you can put good books and good music in front of them, and you can decide what you'll pay for when you're out shopping. I remember taking our granddaughter shopping recently, and 
she picked up a pair of shorts that looked to me like they wouldn't make a good eye patch for a chipmunk. <laughs> I had told her that, that we wanted to buy her something and she could pick it out. Well, when she picked that out, I was put to the test. Uh-uh-uh. Papa's money's not going in the cash register for those. She found something else, and she was just as happy. You can determine the, the place of Bible reading and prayer in your home. Let them see it in you. Let them hear it from you. Teach them that true religion is a matter of the heart, not outward appearances. Share what you believe without being legalistic and dogmatic. They want to know what you think, and they want to know how you think. It's amazing to me how often I hear a public speaker quote a grandparent. So, religion. Secondly, relationships. Let them see in you, as grandparents, a model of lifelong love. Let them hear the sounds of mutual respect let them see mutual affection flowing between their grandparents. Now, I didn't get to see that with either of my grandparent couples. I wish I had. Be considerate of each other. Don't argue in the presence of the grandkids. Think of it as home on the range, home, home on the range where never is heard a discouraging word. <laughs> Let them hear from you about the importance of family. Let them see the pictures on the walls. Sit down and go through the albums with them or show them the videos. Let them hear the stories of the past, even before they were born. We just recently spent time with our grandchildren looking at pictures of our children, their parents, when they were their age. <laughs> what fun that was. And then the standard of responsibility, teaching our grandchildren to be responsible, to take personal responsibility. It's a big one. It's a big one in our day and time when people are looking to blame everyone else for their problems or failures, cutting class, calling in sick, blaming the authority figures, saying you will when you won't, saying you do when in fact you don't. It's the American way of life. Have you noticed? Everyone today is not guilty. Even when they are guilty, everyone is a victim. Even when they aren't, everyone today deserves charity, even when they don't. Government spends without conscience. Businesses overcharge without conscience. Service people scam without conscience. Students cheat without conscience. Avoidance, convenience, and indulgence. These are the standards that are put in front of our kids today. But as grandparents, let's help them achieve a different standard. Let's teach our grandkids responsibility. Character, standards, what else is a part of this inheritance that we can leave our grandchildren? I would, I would add the word values. Dictionary definition of values. Beliefs of a person in which they have emotional investment. 
Now, I think standards and values are closely related, but I do see a shade of difference. I would describe an inheritance of values that we want to bequeath to our grandchildren with two words. Number one is truth. And truth cannot be overvalued. It is the source of a fulfilling life. Truth sets us up to live freely, to live confidently, to live hopefully. And there are two sources of truth. First, there is the truth that flows from God to us, and then there is the truth that flows between us as His children. Isaiah 45, 19 says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 speaks of those who perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. In Ephesians 4.25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Of course, there are many, many more passages that speak to this value of truth. Let me apply it. We want to teach our grandchildren God's truth in the Bible and in Jesus whenever and however we can. Be aware of opportunities to take the initiative. And we also want to tell our grandchildren the truth. So many families today are either estranged from one another or torn apart by secrets. Lies get told in families, and then they get perpetuated, and then they get protected. They're secrets that people will try to carry to the grave, but they're always exposed. And then there's bitterness that people feel because they've been deceived. There's nothing worse than, than feeling like you have a significant relationship that turns out to be based in deception and lies. Listen, friends, family secrets are deadly. Tell the people you love the truth in a timely way. Something else. I think there's a tendency for us grandparents to always represent ourselves in a, in a kind of a heroic light. <laughs> Maybe instead of being the heroes of our own stories all the time, we could confess some of our past mistakes as well. And you know what we would find if we did? We would find that our honesty and our humility and our authenticity actually strengthens the relationship with our grandchild. Well, besides truth, I think another value is time. Time is the most valuable currency of life. Probably few things contribute more to marital stress and family disunity than our failure to invest our time with the Lord and with each other in the family. Most of us need to get a handle on our time management in terms of having some margins for our walk with the Lord and having some margins so we can connect with our loved ones. This is an area where grandparents can be an example because we tend to have more discretionary time, especially if you're retired. But most retirees tell me that they're more stressed than ever with no time. I think it's just a matter of sitting down, determining what our priorities are, and then making sure we're investing our time in these priorities wisely. And we may need to Refrain from running to activities and amusements and instead give our time to what matters most. You've often heard it said, not quantity time, but it's quality time that counts. 
Sure. Try that one on your boss and see how long you keep your job. Dale Evans Rogers had 16 grandkids. And her advice is, if you want to establish a warm bond with your grandchildren, get rid of the parents. That is, have some alone time with your grandchildren. Now, we've taken that advice, and when each of our grandchildren turns 13, we're taking them away by themselves on a week-long trip for good times and good talks, deep talks. We want to make a memory for them and for us, and so far we've been to Chicago and Kansas City, and later this month we're going to go to Branson. Well, one thing I want us to consider as part of our inheritance for our children's children is time. Teach them the value of time by investing your time in them. That's how they'll get it. That's how they'll learn it. One final component of the inheritance we want to leave our grandchildren is practices. Dictionary definition, practices, customary ways of behavior. Friends, it's foolish to imagine that we can live one way and expect our children or our grandchildren to live another way. It just almost always fails to work that way. Rather, if, if we lose our temper and show ourselves, they will. If we lie, they will. If we curse, they will. If we're lazy, they'll be lazy. If we drink, they will. If we're prejudiced, they will be prejudiced. If we're selfish, they will be selfish. On the other hand, it's most often true that if we take the Bible seriously, they will. If we pray, they will. If we worship, they will. If we serve, they will. If we care about others, they will. If we're generous, they'll be generous. If church is a priority to us, church will be a priority to them. So what are your grandchildren inheriting from you? Not someday. Today. Right now. Because you see, the way we live day by day, day after day, right now, may impact generations yet unseen. That's what happened with Enoch. He walked with God, Genesis 5 says, and he was no more, for the Lord took him up, took him away. But Enoch's righteousness was reproduced in his great-grandson and his family. So what about, what about it? Are you going to leave an inheritance of character? Standards and values and practices that will honor God? 
There's a place we've all got to go to have our sins forgiven, to have our lives changed, to have our destiny secured. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only place we can go for cleansing, for renewal, for the empowerment to live the way in our better moments we truly want to live. Have you publicly professed your faith in Him? Have you met Jesus in the waters of Christian baptism? Have you shared in the likeness of His death and resurrection? Have you put to death the old person of sin, buried him or her, been raised to walk in a, in a new life? Have you been added to His church? These practices are ones that will survive you into the lives of your children and your grandchildren. If you have a decision to make tonight, we'll be at the front, ready to receive you while we stand and worship together.